0: Your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Genesis, and we'll be in chapter number 40. The book of Genesis, chapter number 40. Before we get started, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we live in such perilous times, and it seems that. Lord, there's one mountain right after the other facing us, Lord, that we're going to have to climb in these difficult times, and Lord, it almost seems at times like like life has become a cruel game of chance and and Lord, the more things get out of our normal order, the more it seems that way that 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 Lord, it almost seems like like you've abandoned us. But we know better than that, Lord. If anybody knew that, it was Joseph, a man who could certainly have felt abandoned based upon the circumstances of his life. But, Lord, he planted his feet. uh, Just like Brandon just mentioned, he planted his feet on the Word of God, on, on your faithfulness, Lord, and what a firm foundation that is. Lord, help us as we... Look at this text today, as we again go back to this study of of Joseph, Lord. That that we can take his attitude into our heart, and Lord, that no matter how haphazard and and uh, how uh, different things seem to be in our life, Lord, how, that we can trust you. That at some point, Lord, you're going to move us forward. And, Lord, we're going to make it all the way to the top, just like Joseph did, the very top of your plans for our lives. So, so Lord, I ask today that by the power of your spirit that you encourage everybody here and everybody watching online, and, Lord, that, that, that uh, we're able to have victory in what seem to be very crazy times, very strange circumstances, and we can only do that when we plant our feet in Your Word and trust You, and and Lord, uh, You can take us up really high when we do that. So we just ask for that that Word to sink in our hearts today as we as we look at this text. Lord, we're so grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're so grateful for His Holy Spirit. We're so grateful for the power that You give us to live life and Lord the tougher life gets the more power that's available to us and so I just ask today that again that you bless us through your word I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ it's in his precious name that I pray amen Brenda and I when we lived out west loved to take uh, vacations into the mountains and and uh, we had lots of places we could go I mean there were places like Red Rock Canyon and Valley of Fire and and uh, Bryce Canyon and Zion National Park and Grand Canyon National Park. And, and every time you went out into the wilderness like that, you would see some sorts of some sort of animal life. And, and one of the things that amazed me most uh, when I would make those trips was, was watching the, the goats and the sheep uh, and the deer Climb the face of these rocks. I mean, just it just was absolutely amazing that they could do that without falling down. I mean, they they could they could actually traverse a cliff that seemed perpendicular to the ground and go all the way to the top like they were taking a stroll in the park or something. And the reason they could do that without falling was that God gave them an amazing uh, ability to put their hind feet exactly on the spot where their front feet had been. So, I mean, I'm not talking about a half inch off, exactly on the spot. So when their front hooves reached out for a crevice or a, or a protrusion from the rock, uh, they, they would reach for it and their back feet would land exactly where their front feet had, had been. And so... So uh, they didn't fall. They, they landed on a stable place. And, and they knew those, where those places were and they could scale those rocks, like I say, just like, just like they were walking down the street and they could go straight up those mountains. And it was absolutely amazing to watch them do that. Well, there's a great spiritual lesson there for us in, in those uh, hind feet of those deer and goats. Uh, uh, the Bible actually uses that metaphor in a couple of places. David says over in... Psalms chapter 18. He says, "The Lord maketh my feet like hinds' feet." What did David mean by that? I mean, David had seen lots of deer and mountain goats and rams in his day, and so, so, uh, uh, and he had seen them traversing higher on, on and higher on this treacherous terrain of a mountain, and, and he never saw them fall. Actually, sometimes he'd see them go sideways, and sometimes he'd see them even go a little bit backwards. But uh, even sometimes they would plant themselves there on, the, on that ridge. But they always made it uh, to the top. And, and that's kind of how God uses our experiences in life. So that like deer, we go forward and we go up the deep and dangerous slopes of life. And we still make it to the top if we're a child of God. And our past experience... Experiences are kind of like our front feet uh, that, that mark the way for our hinds feet. Uh, and our hinds feet represent our present actions uh, as, we, as we climb up the rugged cliffs of life. And so, so we're going to follow where our front feet have gone. And uh, if we're following the Lord, then, then uh, we've got good reason to have stability in those hind feet. Uh, Not only do our past experience guide our hinds' feet uh, and give us stability, so do the past experience of other children of God who have gone before us, Uh, men like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's why Genesis is such a rich study with so much application because these men were men like us. They were, they were men of God, but they were, they, were, they, they, they were living life, a tough life, just like we live, and, and uh, uh, they made it all the way to the top. And, and, and so it, it's, always, it's always a good thing to go back and study the biblical characters and see how God brought them to the top, because the, the same way He brought them to the top, He's going to bring us to the top. And, and, and Joseph was no exception. Joseph was climbing to great heights. Uh, but sometimes he even had to sidetrack. Sometimes he had to even had to go downward at times. Sometimes it seemed that he wasn't moving at all. But he definitely made it to the very top of life and, uh, because of his faith in God. And today, in our study today in chapter 40, David's going to take one giant step upward. Uh, he's going to get an opportunity to interpret the dreams of the butler and the baker. Uh, but here's the problem. No sooner does he give them the interpretation, and it looks like he's going to make it out of prison and make it back to the top, that, that uh, the butler forgets him, and, and there's a stalemate. It's almost as if he's going backwards instead of going forwards. and It's almost as if he's going nowhere again. And, and if we didn't know better, and you were to read these stories, you would think that God was playing some sort of cruel game with Joseph. Uh, I mean, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like life has become sort of a cruel game? Uh, Just when you're heading up and you seem to be making headway, uh, the world seems to crash down on top of your head. Uh, Your dreams become nightmares. Disappointments trump hope. Uh, Reality doesn't seem to match up with the promises of God. Do you ever feel like that? Uh, I I bet you there are a lot of Christians today who are feeling that way in the midst of this uh, virus that we're going through. I mean, life seems to be more like a haphazard game of chance than, than uh, pre- the predestined plan of God. Uh, it, it, and, it, and it's a cruel game at that. I mean, uh, but it's not. It's really not. We know it's not uh, if we know the Lord. Uh, and, and as we're going to learn today from Joseph's life, uh, just because sometimes you got to go sideways, just because sometimes you get stopped, in your tracks and you're going nowhere it doesn't mean you're not going to make it to the top joseph made it to the top and god's going to get you and i to the top uh, if we just trust him so go with me to chapter 40 of of genesis and pick up in uh, verse number one and we'll we won't go far there but go to chapter 40 of genesis and let's start in verse number one it came to pass after these things. Now, what were these things that, that uh, the author was talking about here? He was talking about after Joseph had been falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife, and he had been thrown into prison, into the king's prison, and uh, uh, it, uh, things looked hopeless again. It looked like he was going nowhere again. It looked like he was going backwards again. After these things, well, there was one other thing that we were told back in chapter 39. In fact, we were told in four places. We were given a very important phrase there that we all need to memorize. Real simple phrase, real easy to memorize. And that phrase was that the Lord was with him. In verse number 2, we were told the Lord was with him. In verse number 3, we were told the Lord was with him. In verse number 21, we were told the Lord was with him. And then you look at the very last verse of the very last of of the last part of chapter 39, look at the very last verse there, and it says, the Lord was with him in whatever he did, I mean, even in the prison, and the Lord made it prosper. So after these things, after he's thrown into prison unfairly, uh, the Lord is still with him, and the Lord begins to move. After these things, that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord. So they committed some type of offense against Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had them thrown into jail. Now, I don't think Pharaoh knew which one of them did this offense, but it was a very serious offense. It was a capital offense, the one who's guilty is going to be uh, uh, hung. And so, so it was a very serious thing, and they knew it was a serious charge. And so they're thrown into prison, and they're waiting to find out what, what their fate is. And I, and I imagine the officer of the guard, who was Potiphar, is investigating the issue. And so they're going to stay in, in jail until it's settled. They're not sure exactly who did it. And then once it's settled, uh, then the, the king is going to punish whoever did it. Uh, so, so it says, The baker and the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. Verse number Three, so he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard uh, in the prison. The captain of the guard, again, was Potiphar in the prison. And the place where Joseph was confined just so happens that they end up in the same spot where jo- Joseph was confined. Now, I wonder who orchestrated all of that. The Lord orchestrated all of that. And the captain of the guard uh, charged Joseph with them. I wonder who orchestrated that. The Lord orchestrated that. And so Joseph has charge over these two men. And no doubt the captain of the guard says, look, these are really important men. You've got to take care of them. Because if they are deemed innocent and they go back to Pharaoh's house, uh, they've got the power to, to give you and I a lot of trouble. They've got the power to do us a lot of good too. So, so, so let's take care of them really well while they're here. Uh, so that uh, we can win their favor, and then uh, if they get when they get out we we might uh, have an, an advantage there and so he charged Joseph with them, and Joseph served them, and I think Joseph would have done that anyway, so he was just that kind of man, so they were in custody for a while, and so the weeks go by, and the months go by and Joseph is meeting with these guys every day he 's talking to these guys every day and and no doubt they're telling their stories to each other. They probably knew all about Joseph and Joseph knew all about them. Then in verse number 5, then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were who were confined in the prison had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream had its own interpretation. Now they didn't know the interpretation of the dream. What is being said here is that these were two very different Dreams, distinct dreams, uh, uh, and, and they required different interpretations. Those were the, these were the kind of dreams you don't forget. These were the kind of dreams that, that, hey, even after you wake up, you're wondering what in the world was that dream all about? And, and these dreams, wonder where they came from. They came from God, and they were all part of God's providential p- plan to get Joseph to the top of the mountain. Now, look at verse number six. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each had a dream and there is no interpretation of it. Well, Joseph thought about this. He said, I've had a dream before. And, he, and, and I've had dreams before, and uh, I felt I got an interpretation. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. And, and uh, tell me your dreams, and maybe I can interpret them. Now, here's what's sort of interesting to me as you, as you look deeper into this thing. Joseph really has a good attitude here. You kind of wonder if he had a good attitude at this point or a really bad attitude at this point. But he's got a good attitude. He could have easily been cynical. I mean, he could have said, you know, something like this. He said, you know, I once had a dream. I had a dream that I was going to be a man in power and that my brothers were going to bow down to me. And look where I'm at now. You know, I'm in prison. I've been, you know, it's been almost, it's been 11 years. And I'm, you know, I've been falsely accused of rape and I'm in prison. That's what dreams will get you. He could have said that. He could have had that kind of attitude, but he didn't have that kind of attitude. He had faith. And I think he still believed that his dreams were going to come true. He believed in his dreams. And 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 so so he he says, "Look, I let me go and let me go to the Lord and and, and I know the Lord. I know this God who can interpret has the power to interpret dreams and and uh, maybe he'll give me an interpretation." Now, Look, if you ever have a dream, I mean, we all dream, but if you have one of those dreams that's distinct, maybe a recurring dream, very distinct, and you wake up and you can't get that dream out of your mind. I tell you what, I tell you what I do when that happens. I go to the Lord and I ask the Lord for an interpretation. Lord, what are you trying to tell me in this dream? Because usually my dreams are really just a mess. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to my dreams, but every once in a while I'll have one. Sometimes it'll, you know, it'll involve angels or some type of situation where I feel like that dream is coming from the Lord. And I want to know what the interpretation of that dream is. And so it's not a bad thing to ask. James says, if you ask, you know, God will give you wisdom if you ask. So, so uh, don't just blow those dreams off. And, and so anyway, verse number 9. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And, the, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into the Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph stopped right there, and he said, This is the interpretation. Now, that's really interesting to me. Joseph didn't say, well, let me go pray about this and I'll get back with you tomorrow and I'll give you the interpretation of the dream. He immediately, because I think he was walking in the spirit and he was that close to God right there in the prison, that he immediately said to them, hey, I've got the interpretation for your dream. Uh, And and, uh, so Joseph kind of lives up to that mocking title his brothers had given him earlier. You remember when when he was going out to Dothan to to see his brothers who were herding the sheep before they threw him into the pit. And he came to Dothan, and they saw him coming, and they said, Look, here comes that dreamer. And they said that very sarcastically. Uh, but that word dreamer, when you look at that word, it, it's a word for a person who makes his living interpreting dreams, giving dreams and interpreting dreams, some type of professional diviner. and 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 so... Uh, Joseph sort of lives up to that title here. I mean, he doesn't even have to wait. He immediately has an interpretation. And he's, here it is. He says, the three branches are three days. Uh, and he says, they are three days. And now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. That almost That would scare me at first. He would lift up your head. But he's going to restore your countenance and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup. In his hand and according to the former uh, manner when you were his butler. So, look, you're going to get your old job back. You're going to be in charge of the vineyards. You're going to be in charge of making the wine. You're going to be in charge of picking the best wines. You're going to be in charge of testing the wine that Pharaoh drinks to make sure it's the best wine and to make sure it's not poison. So you're going to have be at the right hand of Pharaoh. You're coming out of this prison and back into the life of luxury. Good for you. I mean, you're you're in, in 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 great shape. Then in verse number fourteen, but remember, Joseph Joseph sees this as an opportunity. Now, listen to what he says. He says, "But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house." Now, he's probably told him his story. He told him he was falsely accused. His brothers had thrown him into prison. He says, "Please get me out of here." And, and, and for indeed. I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me in to this dungeon. And so so here is Joseph. And and he says, you know, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to 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 try to get out of this jail. And and uh, uh, here's the butler. And if the butler hears uh his interpretation which he did I'm sure he heard it and he was very glad at what he heard and if he finds later on that that interpretation is true in three days if he gets out of prison then he's going to have to realize that hey Joseph is a man of God he's a pretty special guy that he can interpret my dream and somehow God gave me this dream and Joseph Joseph interpreted that dream and so so you know he he's got to be telling the truth about everything he's told me he's a man of God so so he must have been put in prison uh, uh, under false accusations. He must have been been uh, sold by his brothers. Everything he's told me must be true. And so I'm going to get to Pharaoh and I'm going to give him a word and, and we're going to get this guy out of prison. Well, we know the story that didn't happen. We'll see here in just a minute the butler forgot all about Joseph because the butler was all about himself. Uh, and and uh, that's going to really, really hurt Joseph that he's put in that situation and and he's not going to, to, to get out of jail. So, so now imagine what the baker's thinking at this point. Wow, that's really good news. I can't wait for him to give me my interpretation of my dream, and, and uh, I, I bet it's really good news too. Well, I don't think so. Let's go to the next dream in verse number 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in a dream. And there were three white baskets in my head, on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of, out of the basket on my head. Uh, so here's the, here's the dream, and immediately Joseph's going to give him an interpretation, but it's not going to be such a good interpretation. In fact, it's going to be a terrible interpretation. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation in, of the three baskets. He says the three baskets are, are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up off your head and you, from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now, can you imagine uh, how far the baker's heart sunk at this point? It went from uh, a joyful high down into a pit of despair, no doubt about that. I mean, how terrible that had to sound. And so then he the days go by, three days. And the butlers wondering, man, if it, 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 did Joseph tell the truth? Was his interpretation true? Because, man, if it's, in tr- if it's true in just a few days, I'm going to be out of here. And then there's the baker, and he's wondering if his interpretation is true. And he says, you know, if his interpretation is true, I'm going to get hung. And so, so the, the butler's hoping it's true, and the, the, the baker's hoping that Joseph is some kind of quack that he can interpret dreams. And so the first day passes, and then the second day passes, and then the third day passes. And then in verse number 29, it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker and Joseph as Joseph, just as Joseph had interpreted those two dreams. And so Joseph's interpretation was spot on. I mean, it was an exact, perfect fulfillment of his interpretation. The butler got his job back, and the baker was hung. Now, what's interesting is is that this took place on Pharaoh's birthday, and that's what's not really interesting. What's interesting, inter, interesting to me, and this is kind of a side note here, chase a rabbit for a second, is, is who did Pharaoh invite to his birthday? He didn't invite the dignitaries of Egypt. He invited his servants to his birthday party. And there's a lot of theories behind that why he did that. But, but I think probably the most plausible theory is that, and a lot of commentators had this way, is that Pharaoh was not a native Egyptian. Uh, in Joseph's day, there are several historians who believe that, that the, the Pharaoh of Egypt was a Hyksos king. Uh, The Hyksos were from uh, southeast, uh, actually southwest Asia, and they had come in and conquered Egypt during the days of Joseph, and uh, they had appointed their own native king as king over Egypt, and uh, so that's who was in the, the Pharaoh in Joseph's time, now that would make sense, in uh, the fact that later on we'll see Joseph promoted to prime minister, not an Egyptian, but Joseph promoted to prime minister of Egypt. Because this Hyksos king kind of felt all alone because uh, there weren't, he wasn't native uh, uh, to that area. And so he has a birthday party, and it would make sense that when he had his birthday party that that uh, uh, the, the Egyptians wouldn't have been made very good party guests. And so instead of inviting the Egyptian dignitaries, he invited his servants, but regardless of the reason, it was a pretty nice gesture that he would do that and, and uh, he must have been a pretty nice man, and we're going to see later on he does a lot of nice things for Joseph and joseph's family thing he hadn't done for any of the Egyptians, so it's it's uh it's a it's a very interesting again side note but but uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later on when we. We, we move further on in the text. But let's let's get the last verse here that we're going to look at today, verse number 23. Here's the really, I mean, the part that really has got a stick in the gut of Joseph. Look what happened. Yet the chief butler did not remove, remember Joseph, but forgot him. I mean, how could you forget him? How selfish is that? How could you forget Joseph after he had he had given you that interpretation. He he wasn't the one that got him out of prison, I understand that part, but but you had to know this was all coming from a God, a great God, that you would have this dream and he could interpret this dream exactly the way it transpired. And, and it looks at a glance, when you just kind of look at this story at a glance, I mean, it does look like God's playing some sort of uh, cruel game with Joseph. I mean, here it looked, I mean, in Joseph's mind, it looked like the butler was, was uh, going to go to Pharaoh. He was going to put in a good word for Joseph. He was going to tell him what had happened uh, with Potiphar's wife. And more than likely, he was going to be released. And just in a few days, that was probably going to take place. And so Joseph's sitting there, and, and a few days passed, and, and he's still in prison. There's no word from the butler. And then a few weeks passed. And I imagine every single day, at least a couple of times a day, probably, he went to the chief jailer and said, did you hear anything from the butler? He said, no, I hadn't heard anything today. I mean, he's forgotten us, uh, it looks like. And, and weeks passed, and months pass, and even years passed, a couple of years passed. And there was no word. And there was no word because the butler had completely forgotten Joseph. How unfair and how cruel that had to seem to Joseph. You would think it would have seemed that way. To Joseph. And if God is sovereign. And we know that God is sovereign. Then God was behind. This extension of prison time that. Joseph faced this couple of years that went by. With him. Langering in prison. Uh, wondering if he would ever get out. And And I think if you were to write this story yourself and you were to just comment on it you very well might say at this point Joseph had despaired that he had given up he might even be mad at God might have been done with God what good is all this doing me if this is what my life's going to be what good does it do to serve God I mean those are honest thoughts that I think all of us have at times but Joseph didn't feel that way. I am sure that Joseph didn't feel that way. And let me tell you why. Because his hind feet were like deer's feet at this point. And he knew that the situation, he believed with all his heart, that the situation he was in now had, was part of the providence of God that God had used his front feet to place his hind feet exactly where he was at this point. He believed that by faith. He was a great man of faith. And though he was disappointed, he knew that just as God had delivered him out of that pit in Dauphin and out of those chains of the Ishmaelites and the Midianites and out of the false accusations that that Potiphar's wife had made against him. And and if he could do that, God could get him out of the king's prison whenever he was ready. And just as God had raised him to be in charge of Potiphar's house and raised him up to be in charge of the jail, God could raise him up even higher when God got ready. See, he was following his front feet. He had seen where his front feet had gone and, and God had taken him to great places, even in Potiphar's house, even in prison. And he was going to let his hinds feet follow where his front feet had taken him. So by faith, he planted his hinds feet on a high place. On that crevice, he had planted his front feet before. He planted his hinds feet On the faithfulness and goodness of God. You know, where has God taken you in the past? I mean, he's taken you to high places, hasn't he? He's got higher places still. You got to believe that if he's been faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful now. If he's taken your front feet somewhere in faithfulness And he's fulfilled his promises. He's going to take your hinds feet to that exact exact spot again. I mean, that's such a great lesson for all of us to learn in the midst of the crazy times in which we live. It's a lesson that Joseph learned. It's a lesson One of my favorite prophets learned, the prophet Habakkuk. I don't know if you remember that old guy from our Wednesday night study, but if you have your Bibles, flip with me for a minute. Find Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Those are all little ones, but if you can find any of those, you'll get to Habakkuk. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. I'm still looking. And go to chapter number three. Habakkuk was living in a time very similar to the time in which we lived. Time similar on an individual basis to the time in which Joseph lived. I mean, wickedness abounded. He lived in a time when men called Evil, good, and good, evil. And he was tired of it. And he went before the Lord and he said, Lord, this is wrong. What are you going to do something about all of this evil? You're just going to let it go on forever? I remember months before this coronavirus came making a similar prayer myself, and some of you might have done that in the past few years yourself. You look around at all the evil, how evil our country's gotten, and, 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 and we've become like a sewer. And, and you, you ask the question, God, are you just going to let this go on forever? When are you going to do something about this? And, and Habakkuk prayed, he said, Lord, you've got, you got to do something about this. Please do something about this. And the Lord answered him. He says, just like, I mean, he didn't answer me when I made my prayer, but if he had answered me and told me what was coming ahead, I would have said maybe the same thing Habakkuk says here. He, he, he asks Habakkuk, I mean, he, he tells Habakkuk, you just wait and watch. You're not going to believe the work I'm going to do in your day. I'm going to send the Babylonian army down and they're going to destroy the nation of Israel. They're going to destroy Judah. All, the nation of Israel was already gone at this point. And Habakkuk then might have said what I might have said if the Lord had said, I'm going to send the coronavirus and the economy's going to shut down and your whole life's going to change and everybody's life's going to change and, and you don't know what's going to happen. I would say, well, Lord, wait a minute. I didn't want you to do that. And that's kind of what Habakkuk says here. He says... Lord, that's not not fair. I mean, you would punish your people by a people more wicked than we are? You would let them destroy us and let them survive? And he goes back and and forth with the Lord. He asks that question, and he builds him a rampart. He says, I'm not moving until the Lord gives me an answer. You know, I don't know if you've ever done that in your prayers, but that's not a bad idea to do. I mean, you you want an answer? Just stay there till you get the answer. God'll get tired of looking at you at some point, or and and He'll give you your answer. And He gave Habakkuk His answer, and in His answer, the uh, we get the very heart of Christianity, the very heart of faith. I mean, this is it. This 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 is this is the heart of Christianity. Look at verse number. Chapter four, and look at verse number four. Wait a minute, I got the wrong one, I'm afraid. No, chapter three, verse number four he gets his answer my pages are stuck together here won't come apart you know what I mean you're going to have to find it because I've, I've got the wrong reference down for some reason Sorry about that. Uh, maybe it's chapter two, verse four. Yeah, chapter two, verse four. There is no chapter four. Chapter two, verse four. Look at look at the the what the answer that the Lord gives him. He says, "Behold the proud; his soul is not upright in him." That's a description of evil people. Their soul is not righteous. How how is our soul made righteous? By the grace of God, by what? By faith, and 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 so that's where that carries on to the New Testament. But he's talking about a particular situation now to Habakkuk, where Habakkuk—I mean—he gives the gospel there, but the Lord does. But he's talking about a particular situation there where where uh, Habakkuk doesn't think God's being fair, and when God doesn't seem like God's being fair. When it seems like God is maybe playing a cruel game, God doesn't play a cruel game. God is love. But when it seems like that, what do we do as Christians? It says, but the just shall live by faith. You've got to live by faith. Uh, You've got to plant your hinds feet where your front feet have gone. Look, faith is not blind faith. If you have faith in God, God is going to show you that your faith is real, that your faith really works. He's going to show you in the past how, how in the past you, he's done things for you by your, through your faith that he's going to do for you in the future. And so when things seem to be going crazy like they are in the times in which we live now, you've got to plant your hinds feet where your front feet have gone. You've got to plant your hinds feet by faith. In your faith in God. And that faith is real faith. We know how God has acted in the past. And God never changes. And God will never leave us or forsake us. And he's going to act the same way in the future. If God's been good to you in the past, he's going to be good to you in the future. If God has gotten you out of one fix in the past, he's going to get you out of a fix in the future. Here's our problem is, that works fine when we don't have any big fixes. But now we're in really big fixes. We have big problems. And we've got to look back when we had big problems before. I don't know about you, but I've had some big problems in my past. And God got me out of those problems. And God's going to get me out of any problem that comes my way now. I can trust him in that. And that's the place where Habakkuk came in his life. And that's the place where we've got to come in our life. And that's the place where God's. God's got purposes in all of this. And one of his purposes is to to get people saved. I have no doubt about that. I think one of his purposes is to punish the wicked. But one of his purposes is to move the church to a place where we have real faith. Because it's impossible to please God without real faith. And, and, and you, we've got to exercise faith now. I, I mean, I don't even know how bad this is going to get, but we're going to have to exercise faith in ways we've never had to exercise faith is what I'm thinking. And we've got to be ready to do that. And that's Habakkuk saw this storm coming. God showed him the storm that was coming. The Babylonians were coming down and they were going to crush the nation of Israel. And it wasn't going to be pretty. And so He realized, I'm going to have to, God told him the solution. The just shall live by faith. And Habakkuk says, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. Go to, with me and read the last part of this, of chapter 3, where Habakkuk comes to the conclusion of the whole matter in, in verse number 17. And listen to what he says. And this is where we ought to be in our lives. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the... Fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. I mean, we might be living in those very uh, circumstances ourselves in the near future. Yet, no matter what I see happen with my eyes, I will still rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, no matter how bad things get. And he will make my feet like deer's feet. Deer's feet that can climb mountains. And he will make me walk on high hills. Not high hills like women wear. High heels, H-I-L-L-S. In this day and age, you never know how people would interpret that. Look, I don't know where you're at in your life right now. I guess I do know where some of you are at. I, I really, as a church, I think we're really being blessed at this point. Uh, the people in our church are being blessed. But I, I, we just don't know how difficult this is going to get. I, I, this might, this might, you know, this whole thing might wane and everything get back to normal. I sort of doubt it, but, I, you know, I, I, I haven't had a dream, and I don't have a word to tell you about that. I, all I can tell you is the way it looks to me, there's going to be some some strong repercussions for for. For the, the, or our, uh, effects of this virus that are going to really change our life. I mean, we just don't know. It's already changing our life. We just don't know how much. I mean, it could get really, really bad before we get raptured out of here. And, and, and so at some point, uh, we're going to have to be people of faith. God still has a plateau for us. That he wants to take us to. On top of a mountain. He still has a dream. That he wants to fulfill in our lives. But. We can only make it to the top. When we live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. To his children. Faith in the promises of God, that every single promise God has made in his word to his children, every single one of them is going to come true in our lives. we got to believe that. And if we truly believe that, we're going to make it to the top. I don't care how steep the path is. I don't care how difficult the road is. We're going to make it to the top just like a deer makes it using those hind feet to get us to high places. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us, the, the fact we can rejoice in you. You are our strength. We can trust you. You've taken our front feet to places we can't even, couldn't have even imagined, Lord. You've done so many wonderful things for us. And you're not going to desert us now because the path has gotten steeper and higher and more difficult. Lord, we'll only sense your presence more, Lord, if we learn to walk by faith. If we prioritize our relationship with you, a real relationship with you, Lord. Not a rote, legalistic relationship, Lord, but a relationship where we find our joy and peace and strength in you. Lord, help us to do that. there's anyone listening here today that that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, I I ask today that, that, that you show them the way to Jesus Christ and you touch their heart with a desire to know him, Lord, and that they exercise their will and become children of God. And then, Lord, they too can walk with deer's feet up to high places. Lord, you've shown us the way. Lord, bless us, and Lord, we ask you to bless us now as we we remember you, as we partake of this Lord's Supper. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen.